You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Now we're live. We're... we're <laughs> now we're recording. <laughs> okay, in my defense... All right. In my, in my defense... Um... And normally I always check that, but uh, we're going to go back to that aforementioned medicated thing. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I am a professional. I can oh. do multiple takes. <laughs> God. That is ridiculous. It's okay. We're not live. They'll never know. Yeah. Ironically, I've been getting a lot more people asking for us to go live i've like, noticed that it's like haha what so you can laugh at us when this happens <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least it wasn't you know like past the halfway mark even that you gotta been turn it you gotta bad. turn it off and you go oh Man. i'll just tell vince tomorrow the audio was corrupted <laughs> yeah your point you know past that halfway mark that's when you gotta lie I mean, there, there's you, you. There's no saving grace there. You gotta lie. What a noob. <laughs> <laughs> we got outtakes. We <laughs> we had none before. Well, obviously we had nothing before, but now we did. <laughs> hey, the button is red. We're okay. good to go. Red means go. Red definitely means go. Hello, comic fans, and welcome to issue 22 of the Comic Book Informer podcast. That's right. I actually called it an issue this week instead of an episode. I'm getting back into my track. And we're coming oh. to you on... Uh, I got that. I got that little <laughs> reference there. I picked up on that. I know what you did there. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Anyway, we're coming to you on Wednesday, April 20th. As usual, I am your host, Vince, along with my apparently even more medicated than usual co-host, Roger. How are you doing? I am fine. I am, oh, okay. Good I'm going to gonna pull it together for the rest of the episode. <laughs> kind of an odd thing to say at the beginning of an episode, but I am putting the outtakes at the beginning of the show just so that it makes sense for folks. Hey, we're 10 minutes into the beginning. That's yeah. that's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> Now, while we do have some news to discuss this week, we're actually going to save that for later and roll right into our discussion about Marvel's big Death of Spider-Man event that I feel we've been talking about practically forever. I don't even remember what that episode was when we talked about it, but it was several months ago when we first talked about this. Anyway, it's running through two titles over in Marvel's Ultimate Universe, Spider-Man's own individual title, as well as the miniseries of the Ultimate Avengers versus the New Ultimates. Written by Mark Millar with art by Lenel Yu. Now, there isn't a whole lot to say about this. I will say, first of all, that I love the cover for issue three. It's a great throwback to Punisher's very first appearance ever in Amazing Spider-Man number 129 several decades ago. It's a nice little touch. I really enjoyed that. Aside from that, it's just a big, stupid, fun battle story. Nick Fury's Ultimate Avengers and Carol Danvers' Ultimates have been turned against each other by an as-yet-unnamed enemy. And there's really not a whole lot else to say. It's a bunch of superheroes punching each other in the face. Right, Raj? 
And like when you were saying fun, I almost stopped you there, but I figured I'd let you go. Actually, see, I didn't think it was that fun. I, I like I, like I said when we weren't recording, I have not read the prior two issues of this uh, little mini story. I'm going to be picking them up so that I can read them. But having read this, it's obvious you don't really need to have read it. It's there's you know. No Cliff's Notes required. This is pretty straightforward what's going on here. Um, that being said, I didn't find it that... I didn't find it, like I said, grandiose enough. I didn't find that there was enough to it to warrant the where they're going with this. Now, granted, we don't know where they're going yet. There's still three issues left, so who knows what's going to happen. However... I mean, again, for this this type of story arc with the death of Spider-Man, this is supposed to be monstrous. And yes, we've been talking about it forever. The issue that we talked about it was uh, episode number 15. We're looking at November of last year, early November of last year when this was announced. So this has been going on for a long time. They're really milking this sucker. And... <laughs> So I'm thinking it, it it just wasn't enough. And I didn't find that the end was enough as well. Now, granted, again, we don't know where this is going. They've got three issues left, spinoffs if they want, whatever. Many things can happen here that will actually make this something that is that warrants this type of attention. But the shot in the back, so far I'm thinking, not really. It It did not do much for me. Yeah, well, as I said previously as well, geez, we're going to say that a lot over the next couple of minutes. <laughs> Just for the next few minutes, and then we're caught yes. up. Yeah, that, then we're good to go. We're 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 on. Uh, now, where the Ultimate Universe has been previously, they've definitely done more and done better. And I'm really starting to lose interest in the Ultimate Universe as a whole. Aside from Spider-Man, I'm still digging that comic, but all in all. It's just a one note show, really. Uh, they've given each character their stereotype that they're going with, and none of them have really evolved past where they were when they first showed up six years ago. So I'm kind of tired of it at this point. I either want something different or just to go away. So I would be perfectly happy if this was the last non Spider-Man ultimate story I ever read. And that may be what's happening. Yeah, we well, we know we're at least going to get a little bit more Spider-Man because as we see here in issue 157 of Ultimate Spider-Man, this is uh, part three of the death of Spider-Man after several parts of the prelude to the death of Spider-Man. Jeez, <laughs> I think I just went cross-eyed. <laughs> Written by Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Bagley. Spidey is in a bit of trouble here and not just getting shot in the back. I mean, there is all kinds of chaos going on in his own life right now with Norman Osborn, Dr. Octopus and a veritable who's who of Spider-Man's villains all having escaped from prison and are thirsty for his blood, especially Norman. <laughs> that guy, if you thought Norman Osborn was nuts in the regular universe, you've never seen ultimate Norman Osborn. This guy is so completely off his rocker. I think he would eat Spider-Man after he kills him at this point. And that story arc I'm digging. That I'm really loving, and I'm hoping that's going to become the focus um, during the course of the next few issues leading to the ultimate you know, demise or whatever the hell is going to happen to to uh, Parker. But that I've actually really been enjoying a lot. This the the other story with the superhero clash and then the Punisher taking the shot that 
I'm just not digging as much. And that's where he took the bullet. So it's like, <laughs> no, patch him up. Do something. He's, there's you got to have a Band-Aid somewhere for that so that he can keep going and actually fight those that monstrosity of villains that's coming after him. Because yeah. that's what I want to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in this issue, I, I don't know about you, but I loved the scenes between Norman Osborn and Dr. Octopus. I yeah. love Doc's I love Doc's little speech that he gave about, you know, how he kind of wanted to give up the villainy thing. And then the whole twist about how they created Spider-Man and that that's something that they can just walk away happy about, that they were responsible for such a momentous event in the history of Let's say the world at this point, because Spider-Man's a pretty big deal in the Ultimate Universe. He may be a menace in the regular, but he is a the hero he always should have been in the Ultimate Universe. So that's a great thing. And I love how they're trying to claim responsibility for that. And of course, Norman refuses, wants to claim the responsibility, but doesn't want to share it with anybody else. Yeah, I love the fight between um, Norman and Doc Ock. It was it was also it was really well choreographed as well, and the art was really cool in it as well. It, it was it was very cool because again, you're seeing Doc Ock much more um, at peace with himself, and you know. Yeah, he broke out of jail, but he wants to do something good now with himself. And like, well, I guess being thrown out of a window will do that to you. He snaps. <laughs> and then from then on, it's game on. But it's quite obvious that th- there's not a chance in hell that he can stand up to this demonic Norman Osborn. It, it was really cool, which again, when you're looking at, okay, here's a villain that has caused a measure of difficulty for Spider-Man. And now here's a villain that takes him down like he's a freak. He's made a pup, a paper. Just whack, you're done. Let's move on. And now that's going after Spider-Man. So in addition to everybody else who is no doubt now going to be towing along and not giving Norman <laughs> any problems, is, yeah, boss, where we can stop for pizza if you want. We can do whatever you want to do. We're there. And so Just that's please again put some that's, pants on. Yeah. <laughs> they they either that or get some Hulk stretchy ones, you know. <laughs> now, um prior to let's say November, have you read any of the Ultimate Spider-Man stuff before we started talking about it? Nope. No, I haven't. Okay. So you've seen the recent Ultimate Spider-Man up until now, and I love that you pointed out the art because one of the big things about this Death of Spider-Man story arc is Mark Bagley returned as the main artist. Now, I have a very special place in my heart for Ultimate Spider-Man. Years ago, when I first got back into comics after years away, volume one of the Ultimate Spider-Man collection was actually the first comic I read. This is the comic that got me back into reading reading comics. I've been pretty good at reading since I was 18. (laughs) But Mark Bagley drew the first 120-some issues. I forget the exact number. But Bendis and Bagley actually owned the record at Marvel for the longest time on a single title by a creative team. So seeing him come back as the artist for this is huge for me. And like you said, the guy is phenomenal. This issue just looked fantastic. Comparing it to the other one, which, you know, Lionel Yu, very good artist. Things about his style I'm not try- entirely great with. But comparing the two, Bagley just knocks it out of the park. Yeah, I was very impressed. It was it was funny because I um, I, uh, I ordered the issue. And so 
my comic book dude was was putting it aside for me. But of course, I couldn't make it to the comic book shop until Sunday. Try not to get any news on what's going on in here when you follow the Twitter community, when you follow all of the the comic book freaks. It's nearly impossible. It's literally it was one of those la 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 not listening la 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 stop. And I couldn't read Twitter for a while. As soon as I saw the name Spider Man, I'd stop reading. It was it was nuts. And so when Sunday came along, I went to the comic book shop with my kids. We picked up all of our stuff that we had to. And literally, I went and I sat down in my nice little comforter chair. I put legs up and I was sitting there all comfy with my coffee beside me and reading this. And it's nice because a lot of the comics I've been reading lately have been on the iPad, not physical copies um, but this was a nice physical copy so it's old school sit down and flipping the pages and the art especially again in that one just shoots off the pages it, it, it was just a phenomenal little Sunday Sunday afternoon kind of reading those issues so it was great yeah so going into now our news story we at least have an idea of where they're going after they quote kill spider-man now we still don't know whether or not peter parker himself will die but now we definitely know that peter parker as spider-man will be done after issue 160 will be and done in, ter- in meaning he's not going to be spider correct now i have several possibilities about this that I I would be interested in seeing. But they revealed Spider-Man's new costume starting in Ultimate Spidey 161. First of all, I like the costume. It has this kind of like a cool uh, 2099 vibe to it. I like the costume. You said you're not so crazy about the idea of somebody else as Spider-Man, though. Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. I for, for a bunch of reasons, some of them story-wise and being attached to a character and some of them from a writer's perspective. Now, before I go into that, though, in terms of the costume, too many new costumes, okay? He's had too many new costumes right now. That's enough's enough. We've got the new costume in Amazing Spider-Man, and then we've got the new costume with the Future Foundation, and now there's a new costume with him in the (laughs) Ultimate. None of them look the same. In all honesty, I think it's too many different trying to change the way he look right now um stick with one of them in my opinion it should be either the amazing spider-man one or the future foundation because those two are freaking pimp i love them i'm not crazy about this new one for the ultimates i just am not it from a style point it does nothing for me so I, I, i can buy that moving away from there and towards parker no longer being spider man here's my thing From the emotionally attached part of myself that, you know, Parker is Spider-Man. There should not be another one. Now, fine, you want to replace your Captain America. You want to replace some of the other characters. eh, Knock yourself out. I'm not as attached to those. But Parker has always been Spider-Man. There's never, you know, that's, that's, that's him. So Ben Riley. Okay. Shut up. So anyways, (laughs) that's me. Okay, and a lot of people, that's how they see it. So I'm not crazy about that. Now, see, what I've always said as well, too, is that there's not enough consequences in comic books. Everybody knows that. Dying don't mean nothing. You can come back later on for the most part. So I'm glad that there are consequences in terms of if he goes then somebody's going to be taken over fine i like that he there's a possibility that he'll be gone and that's that and 
as attached as I am to the character, if he dies in the Ultimates universe, I'm okay with that. I Even if he died in the actual canon universe, I'd be all right with that. As long as there was an actual, you know, a consequence and boom, we're sticking with it. We, we ran with the character and we're done with it. I don't have a problem with that. That's, it's sad and it would be, you know, you'd miss the character, but okay, that's happens it's uh, i'll have to bleep that out it's uh, that's that's real life you know it's sometimes you lose someone that's important and so from a writing standpoint i would be all right with that and i would applaud their courage in doing that but in trying to continue a character so that you can continue an ip keep making money off of it by slapping somebody else in a costume that i have a huge problem with that is lazy writing it is because you're instead of coming up with something fresh and something new that is going to be a new character, a new hero, a new ability, a new history, all of that jazz, and then working hard to get the same level of devotion from your fans as they had for the prior one, that takes a lot of work. And then it also takes a lot of courage on the part of the publishers to be able to have the cojones to do that. But unfortunately, you have a team of them here, a publisher and writer, wherein they are not, they're not doing that. Instead, they're going to slap somebody else and take the easy way out so that they can continue with an IP. I hate that. I, it bothers me immensely. Well, now that you've uh, spoken your mind, I got to say, you're, you're kind of starting to win me over here because I liked it a lot more five minutes ago than I do now. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it, I, there, there are some cool ways they can go with this. And when I was discussing this with a friend of mine, uh, we he came up, he spit out the line, Gotham needs a Batman. So New York needs a Spider-Man. And on that concept, I'm at least interested to see on what they're going to do with this, how they're going to put somebody new in the costume. And yeah, OK, I'm buying that while it would be more uh, interesting to see something completely new. And they still got a business to run and I, I can buy it. And as long as it's well written, even if I don't like it as much, if it's well written, I'll still enjoy the comic. I'll still read the comic. OK, so here's my thing, though, with that. And I'm going right back again to what I was saying about keeping a character alive just because of its name and IP. I think that I don't think that you can compare Spider-Man in New York with Batman in Gotham. Now, that's not to try to say that I prefer one or the other, Batman, of course, um, or to imply that, you know, one series is more important or one character is more important to keep alive. Not at all. But I think that the relationship between Batman and Gotham truly is uh, an, an incredible work of writing that they've done throughout the years that... Yes, Batman and Gotham must. There, like you said, there, 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 there always has to be a Batman for Gotham. However, Spider-Man in New York isn't the same. Yes, he's in New York. Yes, New York is important to him and, and whatnot. But it's not that same type of relationship between the two. New York can live without a Spider-Man. New York most certainly can, and they've got plenty of other superheroes that can fill the void if he's not there all right yeah I, I, again well, i'm a, i'm not disagreeing with you i could just definitely see an interesting story where let's say j jonah jameson decides to hire his own spider-man I, I could at least see something entertaining there but we're gonna move on and 
into something that I can't believe I loved as much as I actually did. And you uh, are the one who initially put me onto this uh, because it's on the Eisners. And we're talking about Chew. So go, go gush about Chew for a little bit. Oh, dude, I it, it is by far right now my favorite new series to read. And when I say by far, I'm not talking about like by a little bit. I'm talking I cannot wait for the next issues. I devoured all 18 issues in a matter of two days and was hungry for more. Bad pun, I know, but was hungry. I just, I, I could have <laughs> kept at this. Yeah, we need a rim shot sound effect. I'm going to have to download one of those. Um, but yeah, no, I could have read this for days on end and been absolutely entertained. And the thing is, is that in a time when we're seeing so many very oh so serious comic books and and serious story arcs and and there's nothing wrong with that i mean if done properly it's it's great um here's a series that is so unbelievably quirky and yet is able to have a level of suspense that you really don't get in many series this is there's a ton of suspense there's a ton of mystery there's piecing things together you've got traitorous people all over the place you've got government conspiracy you've got conspiracies that would put the x-files to shame what and, kind of conspiracies are you talking about roger for our listeners oh well i was gonna get to that but now that you say so for anyone who hasn't actually read the the series which if you haven't I'd be very surprised. It actually won the Eisner for Best New Series last year. This year, it's nominated for Best Continuing Series. No surprise there. And from what I've read of the others, I'm rooting for it. I really, truly am. Now, that's not to say anything bad about some of the other series, but <laughs> some of them, like Superboy, yeah, that better not win. Anyways, Chu is an image comic, and it is written by John Lehman, and it's uh, actually it's it's written and lettered by John Lehman, and it's drawn and colored by Rob Giori. These two guys do the bulk of the work on this series. Two guys. Now, I've been reading. We both have a ton of independent and creator-owned stuff lately, and. We have seen some crap. There's no other... Well, actually, there's some far harsher words, but this is a clean podcast, so I won't use it. There's some bad stuff out there. Incredibly poor writing, badly illustrated, and we can get into some of that later when we talk about what we've been reading. But there's some bad stuff. Here's a, a, a series that is mainly done by two guys that, A, the writing is insanely good. It's, it's not just a little good. It is insanely good. And then the artwork is among the best I've seen in a long time. It's a quirky style, but it fits with the quirky series. And it's very detailed. The colors pop off the pages. And I, ju I just absolutely love the style. So anyways, the series revolves around a, uh, Tony Chu. C-H-U. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a ton of those little puns throughout. Um, and what they've done is they've got this world that they've created that you would think is somewhat normal. You don't have guys in tights saving the world, but you do have very odd 
quirky things throughout. So in Tony's case, he's a cybopath. Now, don't even look it up in the dictionary. It's not there. They're making up their own words as they go along, which is cool. And basically what it is is that whatever he eats, he immediately gets a flash of memories of everything revolving what it is that he's eating. And so if it was an apple, it was the tree that it came from, the uh, when it first was picked and what pesticides were used and how it was carried over and all of that. And in the terms of meat, a hamburger or whatever, he's getting the same thing, but from the cow's, cow's perspective, Ooh. dear Lord, again, blame the meds because I'm going on a little tangent here. I'm excited. And so <laughs> you can see how this quirky kind of can't have a normal telepath let's make it so that he's kind of like that but with food and there's a lot of food in this series the entire food series revolves around food and these conspiracies because basically in this world poultry has been outlawed because of an avian flu and there's this conspiracy that they think that it wasn't the flu that took those millions of lives but because of this 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 ban on poultry there's a black market for chickens and the fda is one of the most powerful agencies in the world and things like that so chu can also you find out in the first issue which we're kind of going back here but in the first issue to find out more about um, a serial killer and who he has killed and where he body, buried the bodies and, and things like that after the serial killer kills himself so that he doesn't have to to go to to prison he actually chomps down on the serial killer's <laughs> newly dead face to get those flashes of memories and it's that's what then leads him to become an agent with the FDA they have a special crimes division and they investigate all manner of of absolutely bizarre cases around the world and he is forced to eat all manner of disgusting things <laughs> so that he can get flashes of memory of that will help them solve these cases this series is i, I mean again i'm i'm going to be listening to this when i'm editing and thinking i made absolutely no sense whatsoever as i'm trying to just it's it's but it's so hard to describe this again there's so many things that are bizarre about the series and and truly way out there and you would think because of that that it would be hard to follow but it's not layman is really a very talented writer and he manages to take you off on tangents every once in a while but it all winds up working together in the end and he never he never loses you at any point i again i can't speak highly enough of the series and it's one of those series that you can't just ask somebody to describe it to you you have to read it yeah especially when you put the art style together with it like you said they fit perfectly and i just think it's hilarious you look at some of the things that we've both absolutely loved that we've talked about here you know we have really strong discussions about you know character development on the walking dead or plot structure and taskmaster and chicken in this one like so this is so goofy it's so out of the realm from anything else anywhere that you can't help but love it i mean it could have easily just been like oh okay whatever but layman writes these characters so well and the way 
Giori, Guillory. I'm sorry, I'm American. I don't speak proper. <laughs> the way he draws the characters, he delivers so much of their emotion through his artwork that it really lets them just flow with it. And that's one of the things that's missing from so many comics is just being able to look at a page. I think we discussed this um, with the X-Men, the vampires things, where you could look at the page and without reading a word, know what's going on. And then the dialogue merely enhances what's already there. That's what a comic should be about. And that's one of the things that really sets Chu apart from a lot of other series, aside from its quirky plot and its interesting characters. And I just want to give a shout out to quite possibly the greatest comic book character ever, Poyo. Poyo! <laughs> Issue 18, when he showed up, I was cheering. That, like, that was like the greatest page in the history of comic books. <laughs> yeah, you expect it's going to be some nuke or something to destroy everything. No, it's a fighting chicken while rooster and uh, you know what's funny is i actually didn't see it coming i know some other no, people probably I, did not not a bit i actually didn't see it coming so i was like oh they got it back <laughs> <laughs> because you're actually see when you're talking about it and, and, and i said too it's very quirky and whatnot the thing is is that it's not i don't want people to think that it's some silly kind of quirky some some ridiculous slapstick kind of comedy thing not that there's anything wrong with that but that's certainly not my style i i don't go for that this is quirky but it's so unbelievably intelligent quirky it's so well written quirky it it just all works together so that even if you're not a fan of again silly slapstick you have to read this with an open mind just so that you can get so that you can allow yourself to have fun with it but at the same time you're still going to have an insane amount of suspense throughout you're going to have again the the, the thrillers the, the you're going to get the, the 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 conspiracy that you'd get from the x files which there's a ton of and it's just as intense it really truly is and at the same time you're also getting these these cult references throughout that make me laugh like when you're seeing um grissom from from yeah. csi <laughs> there and you're you're seeing all kinds of different things um the um the uh whatchamacallit the um ah damn it oh, i'm gonna pull it up give me a second i'm gonna actually okay. pull it up because i wrote the review on it but there's a lot of different things throughout that you you'll pick up the little um lethal weapon pictures when they're in the bar of uh mel gibson and and danny glover and then you're seeing the um what is it ah, i've got it right here what's i love the pulp fiction cover that was great. yes <laughs> leave britney alone that's the one that with the spider web and it's such a small little thing and if you're kind of looking at it on a small like on your your ipad or whatever i had a, actually kind of i i do so much pinching and then on the ipad just to kind of what's that and look oh my god look at that and then go back to normal but yeah you've got the the spider web in the in outer space that leave britney alone and then the um the the tvs as well will off, often have <laughs> real pictures and then you got the cover as well with the burger king dude for issue number four there's all kinds of these little cult references throughout the series that just again enhance the fun and it, it doesn't take away at all it's just 
absolute silliness. But then the thing too is, again, Giori is so unbelievably talented that when you're getting these, you know, two-page spreads and you can look at the detail in every corner and see something that's that's cool, that's interesting, or when you're seeing the two-page spread in the first issue where he takes that bite of the soup and you've got all the panels, and yeah, some of them are repeated, of course, but it's still the effect speaks volumes. And like you said, that good art, again, you're going to be able to convey a lot through good art. And in this case, the art isn't carrying the writing. It doesn't have to. And neither the other way around. They're both so good that you can have tons of panels with lots to read that is incredibly engaging. And at the same time, within each panel, the the artwork is so good that the facial expressions are bang on. They suck you in, as does everything else that's going on. Yeah. So with these Eisner crop, uh, we've had a lot of interesting titles here. Uh, Chu definitely gets the seal of approval uh listeners will know very rarely do we both so completely agree on something and every time it's definitely worth checking out well in this case here just if we're gonna stop after this for best continuing series we've got chew echo lock and key morning glories 20th century boys and scalped now i have not read all of these yet i know that you've been reading morning glories as have i we'll maybe touch on that a little bit later you've also been reading scalped which i haven't yet i've got 20th century boys queued up i'm ready to read it i haven't had a chance yet because it's pretty freaking huge i've been reading some lock and key and i have almost caught up with echo so far in my opinion chew is not just my vote but far and away my vote it's 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 unbelievable how much i'm loving this series yeah, um, I haven't read much Lock and Key lately, but uh, assuming that it's of at least a similar quality to the stuff I've read previously, I'm still going to go with Chew as well. Yeah. But uh, what I have been reading is Scalped. Uh, it's a comic I've always been interested in. I've always seen people talking about it, but never quite got around to actually checking out myself. It's uh, written by Jason Aaron, who also writes Wolverine for Marvel, with art by R.M. Guerra. And... It's definitely, I keep using this word a lot when we're talking about these Eisner comics, different. It follows the story of Dashiel Bad Horse, and it all takes place on an Indian reservation, hence the title, Scalped. And it focuses a lot on the corruption of the chief and the casino he runs. Um, Basically, let's call him Robert De Niro. (laughs) If you've ever seen Casino, it's a very similar setup. And... I read the first, uh, I think, eight issues, and it was okay. I, I wasn't really that into it. The story was decent, uh, kind of cliched, let's say. Uh, the art, really not my thing. I, I was not into the art all that much at all. And the one thing that really just threw me off was the language. Now, I'm a big boy. I, I can handle curse words. But when you have to use take off your shoes to start counting the numbers on one page – it becomes comical. It loses its effect. So wanting to still review it for the uh, Eisner articles we're writing on the site, I jumped ahead to issue 39 and read issues 39 through 48, I think was the most recent one. And I do have to say it has improved an awful lot in the intervening couple of years. The art has tightened up. Uh, it still has its style to it, which I can buy. And, but the 
panel to panel, it is much better. It still gets really dark and really hard to follow in some of the action sequences, but the writing has improved phenomenally. Uh, the language is definitely toned down. It's a lot more fitting now than it used to be. It doesn't read like something written by Garth Ennis anymore. And there are just some really fantastic moments. Uh, there's one scene where two of the main characters are talking to each other. And then aside from that, you get their thought balloons with what they want to say to each other and what they but they're not. And it was just a fantastic scene. That really was the one scene that drew me into the comic finally after reading the, the previous issues. Uh, there were a lot of really good stuff uh, in those early 40s focusing on side characters. So now I am definitely really liking the series. I can definitely say it was at least worthy of a nomination. Still got to go with Chew because it was freaking awesome. But Scalped has been pretty good so far. I'm liking it it's definitely not going to be for everybody, though. Uh, might want to check this one out. Maybe just look at one of the trades somewhere and see if it's going to be your thing. It is on my to-read list, but it's not as high as some of the other ones that I really want to get to. Again, we're trying to cover so many of these for the Eisners. And, God, I've been reading so many different things right now from this list. Um, just to go through some quickly, and if you want more of a detailed opinion from me just go to the site the the reviews are there in the features i did read the short for best short story postmortem which is in i am an avenger which was very good the rest of the issue is a complete write-off it's junk but that short story is actually quite good it's with steve rogers and how he handles the death of men under his command what i was telling you too after which i didn't put in the review but what i was telling you is that under with a good writer it's it's easy to write easier to write a good powerful short story a short military story because there's already so much conflict there there's so much strife there's so much desperation there's so much loss you got so much to work with already that if you've got any skill at all you can really pull something out that's that strikes a chord with people and this one does it's it's very well done and it's it's it borders on cliche, but not quite. And that's a big one for me right there. I used it a lot when I reviewed iZombie. It's this, you know, you can have comics that aren't cliched. And we see that in Chew. You can have completely original ideas and and roll with it and create something that is still just as suspenseful, just as much fun to read, and something that you cannot wait for the next issue. But Unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of things where it is just cliched. iZombie is a perfect example of that. I I don't understand how it got nominated for Best New Series. Honestly, I have I, I can't grasp that. I don't know if it's that maybe a lot of other people actually do like this and, and it's just me, but I absolutely hated this and now i gave it a shot i forced myself to read 11 <laughs> issues of this and it was terrible ter absolutely terrible and the art looks like something that a someone in junior high would have done now i'm sorry to the the people working on this i like i said in the review too i wanted to be able to provide constructive criticism but the only criticism that i can give is to find a new writer a new 
somebody new for your art team, come up with a new storyline that actually isn't just full of cliches and change the name to something that isn't trying to capitalize on the eye craze that's going on right now. Basically, like I said, that means starting from scratch because this is a do-over. I, I can't understand why this was nominated. Bad, 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 bad. From there, we've also got Marine Man, who's nominated for um, Best New Series. That's from Ian Churchill. And here we have something that is, again, not cliched and fantastic. Fantastic. And you've got one guy doing a ton of the work here, and it is amazing. The artwork is incredible. I've been reading it full screen on my 27-inch iMac, and dude, I'm taking screenshots to put them as my <laughs> wallpaper. It's that good. And like right now, I've got one shot of Marine Man punching a shark. That's my wallpaper. His art is unbelievable but more so than that now, i mean this guy's worked on some big titles with marvel as well but more so he's just a fantastic writer and not everybody may have realized that the story is great it's tight some people may think it's a little wordy when he starts going off on different things that are marine related but i found that it always it fit into the story and it was it was still interesting i'm seriously loving that series and again something that you may have thought oh there's not going to be enough suspense reason to read boom right from the first issue where he goes down below the actual research center to a naval base a hidden naval base and you're saying okay yeah there's going to be a lot going on here and as the series has progressed i mean it's only on issue four so far yeah there's plenty of suspense there's lots of fun there's there's tons of things going on I'm seriously digging it. It's very, very good. And then we've got Morning Glories that I've been reading. Oh. Okay, here's my thing with Morning Glories. And I'm going to tell you exactly the same thing as I we talked about yesterday about this. Is this. I read this because, and, and for the folks listening to, that's actually nominated for Best Continuing Series right now. I started reading it because you loved it and praised it and also because it was nominated so i thought okay well i'll give it a shot so i read it now <laughs> as i've made abundantly clear on on my personal site as well i've had it with the stereotypical female character design and camera virtual camera shots where it's just you try to titillate a young male audience i've pretty much had it with that so having to read through quite a few issues at the beginning which I didn't think I, I had some problems with the writing in the first little while and I still kind of do as well with some of the things that are happening but to read through and yeah the art is absolutely amazing but here I am a man in my 40s with who's raised a couple of young girls and I'm reading these these stories about these scantily clad female characters young women in the stereotypical fantasy schoolgirl costumes and i got to tell you it just makes you feel like a pervert at that point it it does nothing for me i didn't i i, I it bothers me when a artist whether it was his decision his or her decision or not feels that the best way to capture your audience's attention to is to show you know young teenage girls with you know these outfits <laughs> the story had too many problems from the get-go where i mean you're one of your main characters sees her parents brutally killed 
and yet progresses as if nothing's happened from then on, is working on her homework. She saw her parents killed. Now, that's just one of the examples of, I know they're trying to be quirky. They're trying to create this atmosphere where you don't know really a lot of history about the characters. They could do anything, as we saw later on when one of them stabbed another character. There's a lot going on there, but then they're not staying true to how a a person would actually act in those circumstances. I don't know. There's there's too many little things. And then I had to force myself to read through a lot of those starting issues to get to a point where it was like, okay, now I'm enjoying it more and I'm looking past the scantily clad teenage girls and I'm, I'm enjoying the story a little bit more. But even then, I'm still having huge problems with the way that they're written because there's not enough reality. So you know what I mean? I, I, I definitely agree. I mean, yeah, there, there are some things that don't quite work. But just the thing that I loved about Morning Glories is, like I said last night again, it grabbed me with its mystery. I really want to know more. I like the way that they're handling the overall storyline, even if the individual characters aren't quite on point. I, I'm, I'm intrigued. It has done a good enough job of establishing a scenario that I'm on board at least to know what's going on. Uh, it's been compared to Lost a lot, and I don't want to do that, but it's the same concept. Lost bought me in so much with its mystery that even when it was absolute garbage, I was still watching it because I wanted to know more. See, I'm not seeing Lost in it myself, and so I'm not enjoying it as much. I'll keep reading it, but it's definitely not something that I'm... It's not something that I'm looking forward to the next issue. Uh, moving on from there, I've also read Fables Fables 100, which was nominated for Best Single Issue. Uh, the review that is up, I was very disappointed. I don't see why it's nominated. I really didn't enjoy it. Uh, I read The Lock and Key, The Keys to the Kingdom, Sparrow, which was for Best Single Issue. Good issue, very well written, I, and I like the concepts that they used. I can see why it was nominated, but I don't think that it was as good as The Cape which is still my favorite in that category. I've been reading Echo as well. And here's another series where the art is quite poor. And part of that is also because there's no shading and no color. It's it's mm. really quite simple. And I, I'm, I'm not digging it. And the story is interesting, but again, not enough that I really care about where it's going. I... So it's one of those, again, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that it's on the list for best continuing series. There's a lot of other stuff that could be on that list. And I also read Stumptown, which is for best limited series. I'm working on that review. I'm not done. Good kind of PI story. It was well done. Again, I don't know why it was on this list, but it's definitely not bad. It was good. It just wasn't phenomenal. And just to round off and stop there, I've been also, I, I've been, I'm done reading Superboy. Um, we almost had an impromptu recording the other night just because I'd had a couple of glasses of wine and I was working on my feature for Superboy and I was so upset that it was nominated because it's complete and utter crap. There's nothing original. It's bad. The art has got some pretty serious issues as well that I'm just not digging, but the story is just one cliche after another. Tons of teenage melodrama. Ah, ugh, bad. Just don't read it. I don't know why it's in there for best new series. If it wins, oh, oh, dude, I will not be happy. Hey, 
parasite frogs and killing a major supervillain with nothing more than wheat. Wheat. That's definitely unique and interesting. No, it was bad. I didn't say it was good. <laughs> I said it was unique. Yeah. No, no. Bad, bad, bad. All right. So we're going to wrap up with our new releases for this week. And after having several DC titles last week, I got nothing this week. <laughs> the Green Lantern stuff that's going on has completely lost my interest. And I was expecting bright, the final issue of Brightest Day this week, but I guess after reading issue 23, they decided they needed to actually put some good story in there. So they've, for whatever reason, we're not getting our Brightest Day this week. So I got nothing from DC. There is the DC Universe Online. Which is I actually haven't been reading that one. So I started reading it and I need to catch up. And, and it's not that I wasn't enjoying it because I actually was, but it's just that I've been spending so much time reading these other things for the Eisners that I put it on hold. But yeah, the new one did come out this week. Okay. Uh, aside from that, though, we have the final issue of the Mass Effect Evolution comic. Mm-hmm. We have we have issue seventy nine of Invincible, Avengers Academy number twelve, Hulk number thirty two. Invincible Iron Man 503, Thunderbolts 156, Uncanny X-Force number 8, and for those of you who don't know, issue 7 was my comic of the week for last week. We have Wolverine number 8 and X-Factor number 218. So anything to say before we wrap up there, Raj? Nope, I think I've said enough this issue. All right. So once again, please check us out at comicbookinformer.com. You can follow us on Twitter at CBinformer. Leave us some iTunes reviews and we will see everybody next week.